0: Song is to be human. This is
1: Phantom Power. The time now, very nearly three o'clock. The next programme on BBC One, Songs of Praise, follows at 3.15 after a trade test transmission.
2: Episode 9 A Drummer's Tale. Welcome back to another episode of Phantom Power, where we explore the world of sound in the arts and humanities. I'm Mac Haygood. And I'm Chris Cheek. Chris is a poet and performance artist. I'm a scholar of media and communication. And this episode is one that I have been waiting for with a certain fanish frenzy. <laughs> Because we're going to talk about Charles Hayward, the drummer, keyboardist, vocalist, tape manipulator, pioneer of experimental rock and roll.
1: Yeah, right. Still putting out albums, still touring. This Heat, the band that you were just hearing, they've recently done a 40-year set of concerts under the name This Is Not This Heat.
2: And it's amazing to hear, you know, This Heat. Still making such an impact on music because I remember playing music in Chicago in the late 90s and early 2000s. And at that time, post-rock was a genre that was a pretty big deal. And, and those of us playing that sort of music were really inspired, I would say, by a few bands. There was Can. huh. there yeah. was Lee Scratch Perry. Right. There was this heat. Right. Talk Talk was another one. Interesting to
1: hear that. Yeah, I like them too. Yeah, Especially yeah. Especially their later albums.
2: And and so this heat was just a, a group that once you heard them, you're like, I can't believe this already existed right. so
1: long ago. Right. They they take a a punk DIY aesthetic and then they retain some of the immediacy of the elements of that music but they were more involved with a very different kind of idea about the interrelationship between melody and rhythm and noise, dirty synths and dirty samplers, an expanded sense inside music-making that leads into trance, ambience, precise bursts of silence. I think all of that is is part of what makes their music still sound fresh.
2: Yeah, and and Charles Hayward went on to play with so many interesting bands, including Massacre with... uh the
1: guitarist Fred Frith and the bass player Bill Laswell just put out uh, an album this year of improvisations with Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. By the way, how do you know Charles Hayward? Loosely rubbing shoulders on and off over the years Uh, when I was playing music around uh, various different scenes in London. The sort of person who I felt was part of a community of music makers and interested audiences over a period of about 25 years. Of course I've been over here for a while now it's been a while I know it's been one hell of a while. It's been a lifetime and you've just been so unbelievably busy. Are you ever at home these days?
0: Um, I'm at home less often than I have been in the past, but um, it's all good. I broke my ankle. Quite literally, a jolt. I-, I was back to playing pretty much straight away, but while I was lying in bed... I- I told myself I wasn't going to hold myself back anymore. I was going to sort of like do all the things that were in my head that I thought were good and I was going to share them with as many people as possible. It's all about now as opposed to um, having this luxurious time span up ahead.
1: How does it feel getting back into those somewhat old shoes?
0: We're not doing any new material. We're only doing what's on the albums and the the records. And that can either be an incredible constraint or it can be a big liberating, well, this is what it is, let's get on with it. And it's been the second one, really. There was this agenda when the group was a trio, which was about moving forward. But we've found a way by integrating it with these five other players to actually completely revitalise it. The materials got now written into it from 40 years ago. For instance, on Cenotaph, the chorus's history repeats itself. the deep sense of irony, a thing happening and being said at one point, and then unfolding sometime later. And the, the contradictions inside that or the the parallels inside that is really um, being investigated. Partly because history has taken us around this loop and partly because, for instance, my daughter's in the group. And to be doing that with a younger generation, all the players are at least 20 years younger than me and Charles, with lots of new versions of what the the material means new input about often about technology or about um instrumental attitudes something beyond that that concept of non-musician someone might say well i don't know anything about the, the note f sharp but that that thing where they don't know the names of the notes but they they know how to get the emotion across and and they've got their own way of doing that then you're constantly learning, and that's good, really. It feels to me like how I imagine the folk tradition, some non-industrialised position inside music, seems to be a a good model. When I think about my childhood, I was getting that sort of quite Orthodox 50s music tuition at school and that would be things like English folk songs really um, and then all the um all the uh, Anglican Church of England's hymns and all that stuff. I used to love going along to the um, the school assemblies and singing. I wouldn't sing the words, I'd just do the tunes. I'd sort of ah 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 them, but I used to really love opening up my lungs and doing that at nine o'clock in the morning. That used to feel absolutely fantastic. And so I never ran away from that. I had a lot of mates who sort of like turned their back on that, but that sense of some, for me, the melodies are so right. It's not about trying to show off some sort of a bleak angle or anything. It's just getting the tune across in a way that comes out of your own body. I've always loved that folk thing, crossing over into Greek music and you get it crossing over into African music. I mean, just the very same uh, in Indian music, the, the same... It's not even aesthetic, it's, it's the same ethic. There's a story I I heard about a session in a pub in Sligo, in Ireland, where one one of the fiddlers was like the man. And next to him was like this 12 year old who was practically scratching at the fiddle. And no one thought that the music was being impaired, that this virtuoso was being limited. What was happening was the music was growing. I mean, that's the good thing about This Is Not This Heat. It doesn't actually sound exactly like the records. It's more like a garden.
1: Drummer, keyboard player, songwriter, singer of songs, forward thinker, and reflector on sound. So there was this heat,
2: and then there was this is not this heat, but there was a long period in between those.
1: Yeah, there's kind of 35 years in between those That's two right. events. Charles has taken the politics of collective music production into community workshop settings. I asked him if he had a kind of ready-made travel kit that he used.
0: I just be me. The most I'm ever really me is when I'm playing. Unless I'm with my wife and kids and then there's that that version of me, but I don't really find it very easy to share that with lots of people. So uh, the the, the me that I do share with lots of people is, is music. I've got a thing that I can carry very easily. It's a frame drum. Uh, Dunbeck, a a little keyboard, a melodica. I think that's basically it, there, there's a, oh, a little set of bells and my voice. Almost never words, or it's words but they're mumbled and sort of like half there. The Bell Agency grew out of disability arts workshops. So
1: what is the Bell Agency? Well, it's like a game. It's a musical game. Anybody can play and any number of people can play. Each person has a beater and there is either one or more bowls made of metal. And each person can take the opportunity or the opening to strike the bowl with their beater, with their stick, not in turn, But when they are moved, so to do. But then they have to wait until somebody else strikes it before they can strike it again. Hmm. A music-making structure that people with varying abilities could all participate in. Ah, so this really
2: gets into that thing he was just talking about. Folk music. right? Right. Music for the people.
0: It started as a workshop thing with the brief that we've got to try and get funding admin and um, NHS... National Health Services... ..local coordinators and us and people with disability. There's, like, 20 of us. And um, there's people in the group who've got all sorts of learning and um, sensory disabilities or... They're not even necessarily disabilities, but they're not the same as yours and mine. They give signal and um, at the same time the world often interprets the signal as meaningless or like nervous tick response or something like that. But I see it as more material in the air. And so I try and integrate that into what I make. There's also dancers that work with the people. When we say dancers and working with the people, or another word at other times has been clients, and another word has been participants, all these words, they basically divide us up into the people who are the professionals and the people who are the um the patients almost and uh, it's only language that really does that because when we're actually inside it together that's the thing that this particular workshop brings is there is no real division the division starts again at the, the minute you know we get to half 3 and the support workers come in uh, and and they're good people but we we are able to afford something that's like outside of the practicalities. We're in this world where we don't even explain it to each other, we just get on with it. It's very, very nice, it's very, very abstract. It refreshes your soul. Um, And it wasn't about turn taking where you could see that people getting uptight because they were three, three goes away from it being their turn nobody had any real over-responsibility. So, some people would hardly ever participate, you know, they would only make one sound in the whole thing. So that's that's sort of how it started, it was just a way of um, sharing what we, we can do with people who weren't musicians. And that's often when it comes out the best. I I did one bell agency, which was all arts admin people. And um, one of them was taking the piss of it all the time. She was frightened of committing herself. And I've worked with this sort of thing before. I I used to sort of come on all macho and try and sort of almost be argumentative. But I, I didn't. I started sort of very slightly weeping. Saying, look, it's, it's all right for you, but these sounds actually mean something to me. And not only do they mean something to me, it's my responsibility to look after them. And I can't, I can't handle you, you not giving them the respect they deserve. And then some of the other admin people started elbowing her and saying, look, "Let's get, let's get into this." And so we got into it, and she got into it as well. And by the end of it, she was just like a completely different human being. It was just amazing. It just tra- it, it was like she was actually doing the thing that she'd been administrating and sort of like having a certain distance via the paperwork and all this sort of stuff. She'd been doing that for years. And then suddenly she was actually engaged in the experience that, you know, the sort of experience she was setting up for people. She was actually inside it herself. And... Um, It was just an amazing session. One of the things I'm very interested in at the moment is the interface between social obligation and and ordinary timetables, like on my trains at 4 o'clock, and zoning out, this weird thing where you can play for a quarter of an hour and it feels like... War and peace, but it also feels like a, a, you know, a bat, the batting of an eyelid yeah. that thing where it transcends social time, and then finding a way of bringing those two together because, in, in a w- weird sort of way, they are brought together anyway. It's the very nature of performance that's got social time constraints around it. So, um, if someone wants the Bell Agency to be 15 minutes then I'll, I'll go, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll engineer it so that it's 15 minutes. With the Bell Agency, I try to get people to become very conscious of shape across time as opposed to shape in space. Uh, I mean, I, I think that um, music and theater and dance, you're asking the audience to engage with their memory of what happened at the beginning and how that follows through to the end. And uh, so if you can get the participants in in, a, in the bell agency to actually... I, I say to them that the first sound you make it almost doesn't matter which one of the bells you play. And actually to be honest it doesn't really matter that much the second bell you play. Because The first bell and the second bell, they're just uh, sort of like they're, they're at the beginning of the path. But once you've got the second bell and the space between the time between the first and the second, the amount of decay you've let happen, that's sort of constraining what you really think should happen for the third sound. And the fourth sound becomes even more defined because of the first, second and third. And as you go further into the piece, each choice becomes more and more inevitable. So tune into that inevitability and obey it as opposed to think, oh, I've got to express myself. Instead of of that, just obey, 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 and follow the obeying all the way through and that might mean that the piece is two minutes long and it might mean that the piece is seven minutes long but it's because of the choices you made by about sound four and five they've set up the conditions for everything else and it's just a question of finding what those conditions are by the doing of it but you've also got to be totally present to know when it's no longer there when it's gone and uh, sometimes I'll, I'll record it or um, I'll say to people look we, just just a minute, a minute and a half ago we went beyond the point did you hear it we, we, we're just now waffling the feedback from the people who participate is f- fascinating as well um, who's that guy Feynman is it Feynman who did that whole thing about quantum moments the bell agency is that. The bell agency is that because you think the thing is going one way, but somebody else does something, and that can change the conditions of what you thought it was going to be. Uh, because you're only allowed to make one sound at a time. That's the the only rule is you can can only make one sound, and then you have to let somebody else make a sound.
1: Yeah, it's like a conversation between attentions, and the, and there's a kind of a sense of constraint productive constraint that's developing as the piece goes on
0: that's exactly it chris yeah
1: yeah that is beautiful
0: yeah Uh, well it is beautiful because i mean like for instance that lady i talked about at the barbican workshop i've been in this trapped inside what will people think of me or sometimes i'm even still in this how can i be me doing this and well, you're not being you doing this because you're standing outside of yourself asking, "How can I be me doing this?" The thing to do is to just do this, and then you will find that you're being you. It washes away all these horrible burdens everyone's carrying, including me, about you know your personality and how you interact with people. Suddenly, all that's gone, because you're just obeying the sound.
2: I find this really inspiring, and he's so radically open and and present to what's happening, and he's using sound as a way to do that to engage with other people to engage with people across all these kinds of divisions that we make up, as he says with words and this this whole idea of disability too you know there's there's uh a lot of scholars who work in the field of disability and in the humanities and, and talk about how we have this medical model of disability right. Right. that says, yeah, disabled people are people with, you know, bodies that don't work correctly. Right. Um, and disability scholars will instead suggest that, uh, no, there's just a whole diverse world of different kinds of bodies. Right. And um, we have social and also physical, material environments that make life more difficult for people with certain kinds of bodies. And, and, um, just to listen to him talking about, you know, just that knowledge that he has that, yeah, these are sort of false divisions that we make and that we can use music to sort of transcend those and let everyone participate according to their own authentic self or, or, you know, it's a, it's really, really great. And nothing I would have expected <laughs> I mean, just from, from, you know, being a fan of this heat. I, I had right. no idea he was doing things like this. But when you think about it it, it, it it makes a lot of sense with the politics of the band. Just this kind of radically open socialist perspective on dealing with other people and the spaces that you're in.
1: Yeah, that's why I wanted to talk to him. Because I find that the you know the work that he has been doing in other contexts uh, and the kinds of qualities of attention that he's been drawing out of being a drummer mm-hmm. have opened into these inclusive spaces. So, you know, you might think that to hit a bell is something that a drummer would do. <laughs> um, but to encourage 20 people in a room to really pay attention to hitting that bell and listening to the decay on the sound and so on and the ramifications of trying to produce a little composition collectively uh, really excites me the thinking process of a musician in the mature midlife yeah yeah and that
2: that uh, difference between the way he would have responded to that one woman who was sort of laughing at this process The way he would have responded as that younger musician is to the, the more really gutsy way he responded to her this time, right? Which is such a less, you know, macho, male, masculine way of responding and yet took a lot more courage.
1: performing something like 30-minute snare drum roll and we just heard a snippet of about a minute. When all of the attention is on you and you're kind of responsible for everything that's happening but, you know, I used to play hand drums a little bit um, sometimes I would sense that it wasn't me playing the drum it was the drum playing me And I feel like you're really exploring that in a micro level in a piece like that.
0: Um, if you play a roll for the normal amount of time which is like maybe five seconds and inside inside a piece. But if you just play, you know, doing dap da b da da the the all you really hear is the role. But if you only play the role and then you vary the role, um it brings you into into focus of what actually is going on. It's no longer just um it's no longer like uh, a narrative line that's being said or i'm using the word narrative here or whatever instead of it being something that's like a building block inside some sort of linguistic parallel it's instead purely sound i did barrow in Furness full of noises i did a gig with laura and ex easter island head and and I did the 30 minute snare drum roll. And we were in this large space. In the interval, I'd gone outside for a breath of fresh air. And when I came back in again, there was this whole paraphernalia about the door, the front door of the building. So then I'm doing the snare drum roll. And I can hear a bunch, a gang of children downstairs in this big, large sort of stone staircase running around in the building and I'm thinking well the reason why there was all that hoo-ha about the front door when I went out for a a breath of fresh air the reason why there was all that hoo-ha was because you know the backstage area wasn't completely secure and people had got all the computers for the festival blah 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 and suddenly there's this gang of kids running around. And I take the volume down of the snare drum. And the kids disappear. And I take the volume back up again. And there's all these children sh- singing. And of course, it's not the children. There are no children singing. It's the snare drum. So when you say about me, is it me playing the drum or is it the drum playing me? Uh, When it really gets going, it's definitely the latter. You know, things are starting happening that I'm not even in control of. Also, the audience are hearing things that I don't even know are actually happening. They're in a different part of the space, and they're getting something off the back corner of the um, of the ceiling. And I can't hear that.
1: I went off and had a look at other people who do drum rolls on YouTube. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of uh, videos of Jason Sutter, Wayne Olin, Kato Haruto, Jesse Seaf. Cif- I was looking at all of these and, and so many of them are all about something other than the sound. They're sort of doing cheerleader maneuvers, twiddling the sticks in between, or oh, they've got some kind of marching band paraphernalia going on and what I really like about what you do is just the, 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 the focus, the, the intense focus on, on the sound, and the production of the sound and listening and paying attention.
0: The micro details of the piece, Change with the acoustic of the of the space. Some sometimes there's things I can't bring out because they're not actually in the room. And other times, something that's like there's this bass sort of there's this bottom thing that if you play with a particular sort of elbow and um, at the centre of the drum, you can bring out this sort of like this weird sort of bass subharmonic. But you can't do it in every room, you know. If if the if the floor's not quite um, not quite the right floor, it won't happen. Because I do want to record it. Um, It can't be recorded in a definitive sense. It will change. If the acoustic space changes, then the actual piece changes.
1: One of the kind of the cliches about punk is that people didn't know how to play their instruments. And yet you could, like if you just got three basic chord structures, you could bash out a song in your garage. Leading in some quarters wrongly to a kind of glorification of ineptitude. Charles is saying something very different. He's pointing towards care. We heard it in the Bell Agency. He's saying, I really care about these sounds. I really care about this process. Clearly he cares about his own music making. There's care in terms of this sense of folk transmission that he was talking about. There's there's, there's care in terms of just wanting to stay inside the production of a 30-minute snare drum roll and make that interesting, uh, get as much juice out of it as he possibly can, take people into the kind of the granularity of the sound. Taking care is is really the the thread that we can pull here and it's evident in everything that he's saying
0: the intellect and memory and language and um, the appreciation of structure through time these things are part of the totality as well it 's not like oh we better be natural, so we better not do songs it's to be human is to you know song is to be human um Um, construct from one day to the next you know going back to the studio to tweak the mix that is human it's not some sort of alien thing and it's not uh, you know in in inverted commas unnatural or or something like that it's that's that's what we are and uh, to run away from that in some sort of anarcho squat parody. <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? That's that sense of that sense of uh, oh it can't be right because you actually spent some time getting it perf, you know, not perfect but getting it to to feel like you want it to feel and you get upset if it's not quite like that. You must be an idiot. Well, it's like no, I'm being a human being, you know. If I'd been like if I'd been like this after two days of, of getting engaged with the process then maybe I was a bit be a bit childish, a bit silly. There must be a reason why I've been doing this for years. It's to get better at it, share it more effectively.
1: Coming back to a sense of daily practice, whatever your line of living is, and taking care of it and taking care about it, whether, whether it's a garden or you're building a model ship or you're, you're making music, learning how to draw or whatever it is, I think that taking care is a, is a, a very interesting little guide that Charles Hayward suggests
0: we might follow. Thanks so much, Charles. The pleasure's mine, Chris. Music, really. Music actually fills the air for everybody.
2: And that's it for this episode of Phantom Power. Thanks to Charles Hayward for coming on the show. You can learn more about Phantom Power and find transcripts and links to the things we talked about and find previous episodes of the show at phantompod.org. You can also subscribe to our show there or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you'd rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter all of the music today was by this heat charles bullen charles hayward and gareth williams and charles hayward's diverse solo projects thanks to our intern gina Moravec. phantom power is produced with support from the robert h and nancy j blaney endowment the miami university humanities center and the national endowment for the humanities